Welcome back. 1061 ESPN. Matt Joseph's here on a Friday, getting you set for the weekend. And, of course, the Washington Commanders return home as they take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Round two between the two teams to help us break it down and to take a look at what we might see come trade deadline time. Joining us now, you can check out his podcast, the Al Galdi Podcast, as well as the Nets Chat Podcast, where you download your podcast, Al Galdi. Al, how's it going? Hey, good man. Uh, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you as well. How much do you think this weekend's result is going to change what this team does at the trade deadline come Tuesday? Yeah, I think it's a fascinating question. I, I think there's how much will the result impact the deadline behavior and how much should the result impact the deadline behavior because I think they are two different questions. I think if the commanders win, then it's extremely unlikely that they're going to be aggressive sellers come the deadline. I think if the team loses, especially if the team gets blown out, then uh, I do think that there's a pretty good chance that we'll see some selling go on. Now, how much will happen is so hard to say, uh, in part because you know there's the issue of like how aggressive of a sell job are they going to enact, and then also what kind of a trade market is there going to be for these players? You know, it's it's like if you're going to sell to me, you need to sell hard. But of course, you can't sell if others aren't buying. So like. Presumably, there are markets for Chase Young and Montez Sweat, but what about for guys beyond those guys? So I think it's such an interesting topic. Uh, but to answer your question, I think if the team, if, if the team, to me, if the team loses, the team should aggressively sell. If, I think if the team loses but it's close, the team might not sell. I think if the team gets blown out, the team will sell and should sell. And I think if the team wins, the team will not sell. And to me. It would depend on the nature of the win in terms of whether the team should sell at that point. Like, if it's your typical sort of 17-15, you know, Ron Rivera-Washington win, I, I don't think that that should impact your trade deadline behavior. Now, if they put it all together and they, like, smash the Eagles, then, you know, I think that maybe changes the conversation a little bit. But I don't think too many people are expecting that. Were you surprised at the tweet yesterday from Nikki that said there was one offer for Montez Sweat so far and nothing for Chase Young? Um, not really. I, I I always wonder about stuff like that. Like one offer so far, I think as we get closer to the deadline, things could change. I, I also wonder sometimes about like, maybe there hasn't been a formal offer for chase, but maybe there have been chase discussions, you know? So if there have been chase discussions and the commanders know that teams are interested in chase, but haven't actually submitted formal offers, you know, I think it's kind of splitting hairs. Like, okay, maybe there's not a formal offer, but you know that there are teams interested in him, and just nobody's made that formal offer just yet. Uh, so I, I would like to know a little more about what she knows. If you saw the Josina Anderson tweet from a few days ago, she said that there are multiple teams interested in trading for Montez or Chase with a willingness to give whomever is traded for a contract extension. So um, I, I kind of lean toward that just from a standpoint of, again, you may not have a formal trade offer, but that doesn't mean that there is an interest in the player. Are you surprised after both the, the uh, Bears' loss and now the Giants' loss that Ron and Jack, who are the two main culprits, I would say, do, are you surprised they still have their jobs right now? I'm not, because everything I've been told about Josh Harris is that he's going to sort of bide his time for this season, and he's not going to do anything rash and so it's not stunning that he hasn't fired someone. I mean, we're not even at Halloween yet. And the other thing is this. Even if you did fire one of those guys, I don't know what exactly that would do. Like, if you want to fire Ron Rivera, I hear you. I mean, I think at this point we're on a one-way street toward that. But if you did it now, what would that enable you to do 
and, and how would that give you an advantage as opposed to doing it later on in the season? I guess you could say, well, if you want to evaluate Eric the enemy as a head coach, you can make him the interim now. Okay, but with the way the offense is going, I mean, you know, are you that juiced up for Eric to be the head coach at this point? Like, I don't know. So uh, I'm not shocked by it. But I, I think it feels as inevitable as ever, as ever at this point that Ron is not going to be the head coach of this team next season. And whether he gets fired in season this season or, you know, the morning after the end of the team's season, I don't know that it matters so much. I think that hiring that was announced yesterday afternoon, the hiring of the guy to run analytics, uh, Eugene Chen, I think that's significant. That's a Josh Harris hire. You know, like they, they can frame it as, He's reporting to Ron Rivera, whatever. That is a Josh Harris hire through and through. Josh Harris wants a forward-thinking, analytics-driven football operation. And you don't have that with Ron. You're not going to be getting that with Ron. And I just have such a hard time seeing Ron staying on, even if the team does well. Like, I I think there's been too much of a tying of, well, if Ron does X in terms of the record, Ron does Y in terms of the postseason – that's how he could save his job. I don't even know if that matters at this point. Like, Josh Harris paid $6.05 billion for this team. He wants, as the head coach, he wants as the person running football operations, someone who shares in Josh's vision. And I don't think that Ron does that. I don't think that Ron is that guy. And so even if the commanders turned things around and, and let's say went like 9-8 and eight and got a wild card spot, even then I could see Ron Rivera not being back as head coach. I think it's really hard right now. It's to construct the scenario by which Ron winds up back as head coach. So I think it is just a matter of time until we see that change. Make sure to follow Al on Twitter, at Al Galdi. Let's stick on the topic of the offense. Um, what do you make of this run-pass ratio? I know that they're still trying to evaluate Sam Howell and get a good idea as to what they have at quarterback, but it feels like they're hurting the team by pretty much, it feels like, ignoring the run during these games. Yeah, I think it is uh, a function of a few things going on. So like you said, the team wants to evaluate Sam, wants to develop Sam. I actually like that. I'm actually not as big of a critic of the run-pass distribution as others are. I might be in the minority on that. I like that the team has been aggressive at throwing the football. I do think that that's how you win in today's NFL, and I think that is a way to expedite the development of a young quarterback. Now, I think the types of passes being called, should be called into question. I don't know why there has been so much traditional drop back. I don't know why there hasn't been more in the way of moving pockets. And I'll say this about the running game. You know, you could do more of it. I mean, I don't think that would be like the end of the world. But I don't think the running game has been that good. Now, I suppose you could say, well, chicken and egg, if they did it more, the running game would be more effective. And I think that's a a logical thing to say. I I don't think it's necessarily wrong either. But when they do run the ball, I mean, it just hasn't been that good, you know? Like, I mean, there have been a few good runs here and there, but, like, the overall body of work from the rushing offense, to me, has not been good enough to where you say, well, it's worth running more as opposed to passing. Passing is more efficient than running. You know, a good yards per pass is, like, eight or nine. A good yards per carry is, like, four or five. And a yards per pass of five is horrible. A yards per carry of five is great. So there's an efficiency to passing that you don't have with running now could they run more sure and like i said i don't think that would be the end of the world but i think the rushing offense has to sort of uh, hold up its end of the bargain needs to be better needs to be more impactful you know when they do these first down second down runs for one yard up the middle <laughs> that doesn't do anybody any good so there needs to be a more of an effectiveness i think with the running game 
And of course, they're facing the Eagles this weekend, who have one of the best pass rushes in the league. Uh, take us back to what you thought after Game 1 between these two teams and what you think the Commanders can do in Game 2 against them now at their place. Yeah, I mean, Sam Howell played well in that initial game. Uh, got sacked five times. I mean, the, the, the sack thing is out of control. It, it's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen with a Washington offense. But even with the five sacks in that game, Sam played well. That was one of his better games this season. So, you know, you'd like to think that that could be replicated. But, you know, it's hard to say. Um, I'm interested to see what happens with the offensive line. It is looking like Tyler Larson is going to be the starting center over Nick Gates. Could that be an upgrade that really helps things out? Uh, presumably, Sadiq Charles, well, he's not going to be playing. We know that now. So uh, what kind of play do you get in terms of that left guard spot? So, you know, I'm interested to see if the offensive line, this new-look offensive line, maybe gives the commanders a little bit of a jolt in terms of the pass protection. But, look, Sam needs to be better. Sam did not play well in that loss at the Giants. And while it certainly wasn't all on him, you know, he made some really bad throws, especially in the first half of that game. I think the Commanders, when they're right, can be a good offensive team. But, you know, there's that caveat of when they are right and they just aren't right often enough. Like, there is a maddening inconsistency with this offense. And like you said, I mean, they're facing a really good defense in that of the Eagles. The Eagles are great at generating sacks. The Eagles are great at stopping the run. The Eagles may well have the single best defensive line in football. So on paper, this is not a good matchup. Like, on paper... This reeks of, you know, Eagles uh, 35, Commanders 10. But, you know, we've seen this, man. The Commanders, they have this thing of they play down to the level of bad competition and can play up to the level of good competition. We saw that in that first game against the Eagles. I would not be stunned if we saw that on Sunday afternoon. Um, You know, and it's the kind of thing that just drives you bonkers because you see it within this team the capability of it being decent, maybe even good, but the lack of consistency is what wrecks this team and why this team is three and four as opposed to, you know, four and three, five and two. You know, it's funny, man, three and four, it, you know, it's not that terrible of a record, but it feels so much worse than that, right? It feels like three and 10 because of those losses to the Bears and Giants, you know, because the point differential is what it is, minus 50. And just because there has been this lack of consistency, and of course, the record's one and four since the two and oh start. So it, it is kind of odd. Three and four on paper isn't that bad, but it feels a lot worse than that. Let's talk about the commander's defense against the Eagles offense here. Obviously, the commanders, you know, defensively have had their struggles. They've had their usual communication busts, which it feels like they always do. And then as part of that, just I know you've talked about on your podcast. What's your thoughts on the tush push? Everybody's got their opinion on that play. Well, it's legal. I don't personally have a problem with it. And, you know, it's become almost automatic. It really is an amazing thing. Nick Sirianni, during his post-game presser this past Sunday night after the win over the Dolphins, said every first and ten for us now is essentially first and nine because the tush-push is that automatic, and he's right. Um, and there really is no stopping it at this point. And it's crazy to me that other teams can't replicate this, that other teams aren't even trying this. Like, why the commanders haven't even attempted this? I, I, I don't understand that. Uh, but it works, and so... You know, from a commander's defensive standpoint, it's not just about being good on third downs, let's say. You have to be good on third downs, but also you have to be good on third downs to where you stop the Eagles like four yards short of the first down, three yards short of the first down. Because if it's fourth and two or less, the Eagles are going for it. Or at least you have to be prepared for that. And the tush push, more often than not, is going to work. I mean, if you watch that Eagles-Dolphins game this past Sunday night, 
The Eagles, while nursing a seven-point lead in the fourth quarter, twice went for it on fourth down in their own territory and got the first down. Each play resulted in a two-yard push-push run by Jalen Hurts. It really is amazing what the Eagles have here. So, you know, I don't know if it's going to be outlawed or not. I, I think the reason for it to be outlawed would be that it is a very difficult play to officiate. So you have all kinds of bodies going in all kinds of directions. Who's offside is almost impossible to tell. Uh, but, you know, for now it's legal, and other teams can do it too. But for whatever reason, many other teams are not doing it, and those other teams that are doing it are not doing it with nearly the success that the Eagles are doing it. All right, let's close with your prediction. Uh, obviously, this is a home game for the Commanders, but you know there'll be a lot of Eagles fans there for this one. Uh, you know, the Eagles, it's a bit of a sandwich spot coming off the Miami game. Dallas up next. Uh, what do you think? What's your prediction for this one? Well, on my podcast uh, for today, I took the Commanders plus the points, and uh, I predicted a 30-28 Commanders win because this is the kind of thing that they do. You know, they have these improbable wins. They have wins over teams that you look at and you say, boy, there's no way Washington is going to win this game. Now, you know, like I said earlier, would anyone be surprised if the Commanders got blown out in this game? No. And I think that possibility very much exists, but... I don't think that this team is that bad. I think that this team is just really inconsistent. But when the team is in a good place and when the team is having one of its good days, this can be a pretty good team. I do believe that. And so uh, I'm going to bank on the team rising to the occasion. And, um, you know, I don't know if in the bigger picture that's good or not. Honestly, I've been wrestling with this myself this week. Like, I'm a fan of the commanders, right? I want what is best for them in the long term. Is what is best for them in the long term winning this game and preserving the season? Or is what is best in the long term losing this game and enacting a fire sale that for the building up of draft capital and for the bigger picture outlook for this club is the right way to go? And, you know, I I think it's a tough thing to answer. Uh, But, yeah, I'm going to hope that whatever happens is for the best. But if you're asking me for a prediction, yeah, uh, I will take the commanders plus the points and – Presume that we get what we have gotten multiple times before for Washington with Ron, and that is when you least expect the team well, the, the team to play well, the team does play well. Make sure to check out the podcast online. Uh, you can download it in all the places you get your podcast, the Al Galdi Podcast, and follow him on Twitter at Al Galdi. Al, we always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. I always enjoy it. Thank you.